Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. Remember when you were a kid and your teacher handed out book forms with little boxes to check off? A few weeks later, a package would arrive in the classroom, and it was magic. Today, we'll go behind the scenes of the Scholastic Reading Club. President Judy Newman will tell us exactly how those books arrive in classrooms across the country. We'll also be joined by Carol Levine, a former Reading Club customer turned employee, editorial director David Allender, and Beth Prince, a kindergarten teacher in Washington, D.C. Hi, Judy. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Suzanne. It's great to be here. We're going to start off with the most basic question. What is Scholastic Reading Club? So Scholastic Reading Club, which was formerly known as Scholastic Book Clubs, was founded in 1948. So it has a very long history. And listeners will remember getting those flyers in classrooms where the teacher hands out the flyers and the kids circle the books excitedly. It's kind of hard to pay attention for the rest of the day. And they're so excited about the books they see in those colorful flyers. They take them home. They sit down with their mom and dad or their grandparents and they figure out which books they want to order and they choose from a wide range of books that are appropriate for their age level. They bring in their orders back to the teacher. The teacher puts them all together. She orders some stuff for herself in the class. And then in a short time, a few days later, the book box arrives in the classroom. And that's what we call the Scholastic Reading Club, that whole experience of teachers who are partnering with Scholastic to get great books to kids monthly through flyers. I am getting goosebumps. I am one of those listeners who does remember this experience. And I don't think I asked my parents for any advice. I just made unilateral decisions, but it was often Beverly Cleary. My brothers would go for the sports books and the nuns were a little concerned mm-hmm. that they would just be reading sports and amount to nothing. But they amounted to a lot, even just reading sports as kids. Because <laughs> they were reading. And you're hitting yes. on something that's a, a key part of the Scholastic Reading Club experience, which is that there's something for everyone. Because just as adults, we all like to read different things. And so we want to make sure that every kid in the class, just like you and your own family, that there's something for every taste, every interest, and every reading ability. Tell us about... What makes it so much fun for teachers as well? Why do they love it so much? And I have seen the teachers in these hallways and conference rooms. I know they love it. Yeah, I mean, and just the the physical history of a program that has been around since 1948 and keeps reinventing itself. You know, I always say it really speaks to the power and the resilience of this model. So why? Well, teachers, of course, need books. They need books in their classrooms. Teachers spend a lot of -of out-of-pocket money to outfit their classrooms. So nobody's giving them huge budgets to put copies of beloved Beverly Cleary on the shelves. They often have to use their own funds. And so one of the great things that Scholastic Reading Club does by partnering with teachers, it gives them access to free books for their classroom. So I break it down into three things that Scholastic 
Reading Club does for teachers. We help teachers, kids, and parents discover books through our curation process. We partner with teachers to make sure that we can get affordable books for all children in their class to help them be successful in their teaching jobs and to inspire their children to learn to love to read. And lastly, we deliver on our promise. So if there's ever a customer service problem, you know, call us up. You can call me directly or go to my email. But if you can't get to me, the other best person to go to around here is our CEO, Dick Robinson, (laughs) because he will make sure, he will mobilize the whole company to make sure the teacher get their orders. So I think it's those three things, helping teachers, parents, and kids find new books and rediscover old favorites, delivering on the promise monthly and making sure we back it up with customer satisfaction. Tell us about your Scholastic family. So Scholastic Reading Club really is a family and our staff, family members, if you will, are a combination of people who've worked together for, I don't know, 25 plus years, as well as brand new people who come in who are excited about having been an intern or coming in through a friend or a recommendation from someone. So we have this great collection of people with tremendous institutional knowledge, as well as um, people who are new and fresh to the business. So that alchemy works really well. We also are very involved with our teacher customers who we consider part of our family. We are a business, but we're really much more than a business. And we care about each and every book box arriving in each and every classroom, you know, just as much as we care about any big business strategy. So that's really where we live. And that really does come from the top all the way from Dick Robinson on down, whose dad, as you know, found its classic. So we have teacher advisors who we recruit uh, from the 850,000 teachers who use our reading club every week of the year. And we have a process whereby we recruit 25 teachers who come in every year for a weekend of just a total celebration of the wonderfulness of teaching. And we put them in our educational resource conference room, which is this beautiful book-lined room, and we listen to them for two days. And they tell us every single year, year after year, how nobody ever pays this much attention to teachers. We listen to every issue they have, every concern, and it is really their input that helps us steer our business. It isn't a theoretical, you know, textbook experience. It's really coming from the mouths and the lives and the needs of real teachers and real classrooms who represent their their students. So teachers are always on our mind. And um, one of my favorite stories that I tell all the time is that uh, 25 years ago, we had a little bit of a problem with one of our offers because it was so popular. The customer service department was getting behind (laughs) on calls and we were having, we were delayed shipping our orders. It was taking longer because frankly, it was such a popular offer and there was so much, so many orders we actually couldn't handle them. It was around Christmas time, around November, around the holiday time. So some very, one very resourceful teacher couldn't get through to the customer service department because the lines were so busy and managed to get to my office. And I picked up the phone and this teacher was screaming in my ear, where's my book order? I want my books. Who are you? I can't (laughs) disappoint my students. And I said to myself, Anybody who cares that much about their book order has got to come work for us. And that was Carol Levine, who is a second grade teacher in South Attleboro, Massachusetts. And she did. She left teaching and she came and she has been working side by side with us for all these years. That's fantastic, Judy. (laughs) Also, you say 
Dick Robinson, it comes from the top that he cares about getting books into every child's hands. And as you also point out, he cares so much about the teachers and they've got their finger on the pulse. And that is another mantra, like get out there, talk to teachers wherever you are and listen to them because they're the ones who are really on the front lines. That's right. And Dick like many people who work here, was a teacher. I think if you do a little mini interview, at least it's Classic Reading Club and probably throughout the company, you'll find most people either were a teacher or were directly connected to someone who was a teacher. Like my mom was a third grade teacher in Dedham, Massachusetts. Um, And Dick himself was a teacher. And you'll just see that that empathy, that connection, that understanding that teachers are really doing the most important job in the world is really why Scholastic Reading Club exists just to partner with teachers. I was a teacher myself there in Washington go. Heights and Upper Manhattan. So now talking about the selection process, like we, you, you make it a point, Scholastic makes it a point to have books for everyone. How do we choose the books? Tell us about that selection process. Many people are curious, myself included. Yeah, it's the kernel or the core of work that we do at Scholastic Reading Club, because I think it's generally understood that about 20,000 new children's books are published every year. That doesn't really do a second grader or a second grade teacher in the middle of the country much good. So what we do is we have a very well-crafted process, tried and true, where we pour through literally almost everything published to come up with the best monthly selection, 80 titles a month for each grade. And so we, how do we do that? We have a dream team led by our editor-in-chief, David Allender, who is a longtime expert on this business. And he has in his department, Laura Demeray, Shelley Vihoff, and Anne-Marie Wong, and they and their teams, we break it down into levels. So level one for younger children, level two for middle grade, first to fourth grade, and level three for older children. And they meet with publishers, they read, they curate, they discuss, and they winnow down the best collection each month for each grade. Another fun thing about this is we know so many authors around the country want to get on that list. And recently, Kate Beaton, the author of The Princess and the Pony and the upcoming King Baby, got on and she tweeted about it. She was so thrilled, like never could she have dreamed of such a thing. And it really is a pinnacle in many authors' careers, too. Yeah, and it works all ways. So the great thing about Scholastic Reading Club is that we have direct contact with what kids are reading, real kids in real classrooms every single day. And so our editors look at trends and they say, okay, books on this particular subject are selling. Let's talk to authors about crafting titles in those series. So the great thing about Scholastic Reading Club is that we have direct access, direct daily feeds of what kids are reading because we can see metrics for kids and teachers and parents in virtually every city and state in the country in every classroom all year long. So we know what types of books kids like. We can talk to authors about developing series along those lines. Um, And there have been some great historical stories. So back in the day, Gordon Corman was a kid in Canada, and he submitted a story to a Scholastic Book Club contest, and that launched his career as a middle grade writer who we all know and love now. Our level one editorial team, uh, led by Laura Demeray, which finds, curates, and collects books for 
kids in preschool through first grade, they are always looking for books to fill a particular need. So they needed a big rhyming book that was familiar and lyrical. And so they sat down with one of our staff people, Lucille Calandro, and she is the author of a multi-million copy best-selling series called I Know an Old Lady. I know an old lady has swallowed a lot of things in this series and these books are quite (laughs) successful. So it was David and Laura's connection to what kids wanted to read and what was selling and used by teachers through the clubs that allowed them to go to an author and figure out the best series to create. Judy, as you know, I travel around the country with the Scholastic News Kids Press Corps and I meet many teachers and I'm in many classrooms. And as you well know, classrooms are much more diverse than when we were children, certainly than when I was choosing Beverly Cleary, which is wonderful. And I'm just wondering how you are addressing diversity and trying to get books from authors of every walk of life into classrooms. That also has to be a bit of a challenge. It is a challenge. We know that matching kids to books that they want to read is our most important job. And we know we need kids to see themselves in books in order for them to be meaningful, relevant, relatable experiences. So we're particularly proud of this partnership that we're developing with an organization called We Need Diverse Books. And with them, we are creating eight standalone special catalogs, four for younger students and four for older students. The flyers offer books that represent new voices and new characters featuring a wide variety of backgrounds and stories written by all kinds of authors from diverse backgrounds. We like to constantly evolve and stay connected to what teachers and kids are looking for. We talk to teachers, we visit classrooms, we talk to kids, we talk to parents to make sure that our collection of books is really meeting their needs so children will be able to see themselves and relate to the stories that they are reading. So we've talked about diversity and, of course, in so many different cultures. And then there's current events. Look at everything happening in the world, in the country. There's also the push for more nonfiction in classrooms. How is Scholastic addressing those needs? So the wonderful thing about Scholastic Reading Club is that we have all this flexibility. We do 14 catalogs a month, ranging in age from preschool all the way through eighth grade and even a little bit older. Each of those catalogs has about 80 books in them. So we have this tremendous opportunity to have a collection monthly that's relevant and meaningful and covering all kinds of bases. So, for example, in September, we'll have Newbery and Caldecott winners, current titles. Um, We'll have new books by Kate D. Camillo, Ramey Nightingale. We have books, of course, we work very closely with our Scholastic Trade Publishing Group and we'll be featuring Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. We're getting ready for Fantastic Beasts coming up in November, tied into the movie, which is incredible. We have um, new series and all kinds of titles for all kinds of readers because that's the job of each flyer to make sure that in those 80 books that's coming to them in that moment, 
moment, there's something for every kid. So we have nonfiction, as you suggest. And with the election coming up, we have a lot of opportunity to talk about democracy and the importance of voting. We give teachers materials to help kids talk about the process in class. We try to avoid picking a candidate because that's sort (laughs) of a slippery slope. But we want to make sure that we cover nonfiction topics like sharks and snakes. We have quite a nice partnership with National Geographic. And then there's just the reading for fun. So some of these great licenses like Pokemon, which Ellie Berger, the president of trade and I were reminding ourselves that we've been working on publishing Pokemon in the school channels and in trade for 20 something years. So this is a timeless (laughs) property. And now I'm sure you've heard about Pokemon Go. We literally put all October, (laughs) (laughs) we pulled our October flyers Because we know the wild popularity of this game is an opportunity for us to get kids excited about books. So when we saw Pokemon Go going crazy, we went back into our October flyers because we have that kind of flexibility. We literally pulled them off press and put in some Pokemon chapter books for readers who we know will go from the game to the books. So we look for every opportunity to get kids excited about reading. And we are, we want to make sure we have topics for everyone. Because I know, I'm sure for yourself, you like to read good quality literature and sometimes you just like a good fun read. And that's all part of being a great reader. And sometimes I like graphic novels and comics. I know when I was a kid, I read Archie comic books, but Uh now graphic novels have become a huge, incredible genre for kids' books. And in our own trade publishing division, we have incredible books that started actually with Bone by Jeff Smith, which has now just become a treasured favorite. And of course, Raina Telgemeier started doing graphic novel editions of the Babysitter's Club books. And now we're so excited that her new book, Ghosts, is coming out in October. And of course, Dave Pilkey, the beloved author of Captain Underpants, who is single-handedly responsible for turning so many kids on to reading, is launching a new graphic novel series called Dog Man. So what graphic novels do, as you know from being a fan of them yourself, is they help kids read. They're exciting because they're text and they're visual and they provide visual cues and they're just an all around fun reading experience. This is a great point to bring up because I have a special interest in children who have learning disabilities as Dave Pilkey did, dyslexia. And we're talking about meeting all children's needs. Kids who maybe aren't engaged in the classroom or who are struggling readers for them to have a book with great images and they can follow along more easily. I'm sure that is such a goldmine for them. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And what the club process does by this colorful flyer coming to kids' desks, it sort of demystifies the process of choosing the right book. I mean, you don't have to be a librarian or a special intellectual. You can just pick a book that you like. And that's why the flyer is so familiar and comfortable for kids to choose from all different kinds of books. And they deliver. You know, you get the books in the book box and and they're what they're supposed to be. We also find that authors and publishers love to work with us because we can get their voices and their videos or author visits right into the classroom. We have incredible stories about a class who just won a class visit from Dave Pilkey and he went. And I mean, think about how inspiring that is to see a real live author in your classroom. I think the other thing about Scholastic Reading Club is it's so familiar to people. Everyone has a memory 
from people like Kate to R.L. Stein to Gary Paulson. Many, many authors remember that scholastic flyer in that book box, that aha moment in the classroom, like the book box is here. (laughs) Absolutely. And every year we go to the ILA convention, Um, used to be the International Reading Association. Uh Now it's the International Literacy Association convention, Mm -hmm. as you know. And we have a favorite teacher breakfast. So favorite authors get up and they talk about their favorite teachers. And all the time they talk about remembering when those teachers passed out the reading club flyers. Absolutely. And at the risk of sounding like a shill for Scholastic, Mm. I have to say the affordability is another important point. My mom and dad were raising five children and my mom really tried to stretch a dime, to put it mildly. So Mm. that was the one place where we could get all the books we wanted. Yeah, it's true. And every month we make sure to have books for a dollar, you know, great quality books that kids can afford. And then big value packs where kids can get a set of books for a low price. So it's great quality and great pricing. And also then we make sure that the teachers have access to free books through their bonus points or through books that we give them so they can make sure they have gifts or extra books to give to kids who can't afford them. Neat. On a more personal note, Judy, we hear you're the reader-in-chief. Hashtag reader in chief. Tell us about your new blog and how it's helping parents and teachers discover these great books. The blog was launched this past spring. We do it weekly and there are five different sections and we're involving everyone in Scholastic Reading Club as well as authors and people around the company. And the five sections right now are cooked from a book. And so we take food because food is such an incredibly fun topic. And we think about what recipes or meals or dishes can be made from popular children's books. So we made blueberry pie from Blueberries for Sal or peanut butter and jelly from a Ramona book. We go to a test kitchen and we actually make them. So we show kids the process. We make classroom activities out of recipes. So that's called Cook from a Book. We recently had some celebrity chefs who said they wanted to guest blog with us. So that's a fun approach. So coming at books and discovering books through food. The second section is the book boys. These are five millennial guys who work in the office who do these (laughs) great video productions, about two and a half minutes. They dress up in characters and they just act out these books. And if you ever want to have a laugh, come up to the third floor and you can see them taping where they're dressed as pirates or Wild West explorers. It's pretty funny to see, but they really bring the book to life. Then we have Diverse Discoveries, the third section where kids talk about diverse books from all different walks of life, all different types of books. We have Dear Author, where authors share letters from kids or do interviews with us. And then I try to anchor it with something called Life of a Reader, where I talk about my own experiences. My mantra is I really do think in children's books. (laughs) I loved when you did the real estate ads and you had little, was it Little House in the Big Woods or Little House on the Prairie? You made it sound good, but I reminded you there was no heat in that house. (laughs) I know. And that was great because we started out talking about, you know, the real estate situation in New York city and how difficult it is to find affordable apartment and ended up talking about with windows (laughs) right the sod house and little house on the prairie so we try fun approaches to keep kids
kids engaged. It really is terrific. And I think I've learned if we think it's fun and fun to work on and fun to create, then it's fun for our audience, kids and teachers and parents to listen to. And if it's not some boring, dry thing. So we're having a lot of success with it. And it's really fun. Terrific. Congratulations. Is there anything else you'd like to add here before we wrap up? You talked about, um, you know, helping kids who are struggling a little bit with reading and just some Mm -hmm. tips I've come across. You know, audio books are phenomenal. Um, If you can find a good audio rendition of a book to have a kid listen to it and then read, it creates a sense of familiarity, which makes the reading experience less intimidating for kids who aren't comfortable. Of course, seeing a movie, I think it's great to see a movie and then read a book. You know, you can even something as simple as knowing how to pronounce the character's name um, can really make the whole reading experience much more fun. Yeah. You know, you just have to read. It doesn't matter. Everybody says this, but it's true. It doesn't matter what kids are reading. They just have to read something. They can read the newspaper. Uh-huh. They can read books about jokes. They can read books about sharks. They can read long novels. They can read short stories. They can read horror. Whatever is exciting to a kid. Uh, we want to be respectful and really listen to what the kid wants to read. I do not believe that you have to finish a book once you start it. It took me until I was well into my adult life to give myself that That, uh, <laughs> that is permission. really nice. That makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you have to read a book for a book report, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. if you're reading a book for pleasure and you don't like it, stop. Why force yourself? Go just as long as you go and pick up the next book. I think that's a really good strategy to become a great reader. I love that, Judy. That makes me feel so much better. <laughs> I have about 10 half-read books on my, it's <laughs> on okay. my table. Pass them along to someone okay. else good and idea. go on to something you'll enjoy. There we go. I think <laughs> let's end on that note. Thank you so much, Judy, for being here. What a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Now, the firecracker Carol Levine will share her infamous story of how she came to be a Scholastic employee. The way I met Judy Newman is in a phone call. I called and I screamed at her because I was so upset that the children in my second grade, real, I was teaching in a very low-income community, and I wanted the Polar Express for my class, and it didn't come, and they said they were out of it. And I was so irate that I called, and I got through to her because for some odd reason, and I said, where are my books? I need my books. You can't do this. This is really important. And we talked for a while, and she was, of course, very nice. And she sent me another book, another uh, a substitute book. And the books did eventually come, but they came after Christmas. She had told me about an advisor group, and my husband said, write a letter if you want to be an advisor. And he helped me. He's a writer, write a letter. And I said, I'd love to be an advisor. And that's how the whole thing started. I was a teacher advisor. And when I saw the whole operation in terms of the passion and the excitement of this staff at Scholastic, I really wanted to be a part of it in terms of, I felt like I could help more children, not just the 30 I had, and the excitement of being a part of a culture that wants to help children and families be the best they can be to get books into the hands of kids is what really motivated me. The passion of the people that work at Scholastic Reading Clubs, the, the 
overall feeling that we have to get it right for these children. We need the best books. We need the best authors. We need very badly to get all books into the hands of children because owning a book motivates kids to learn more about their world. And as my husband used to say to my daughter, take a voyage, which is absolutely what books let you do. The access to books shouldn't be a privilege. It should be a necessity for every child. And we at Scholastic feel that we discuss titles, we have meetings, we talk about every single issue that comes up until we hopefully get it right. Now, Editorial Director David Allender will give us a sneak peek of the book trends for this fall. This fall is going to be magical, and it's already started with the release of Cursed Child, the eighth Harry Potter story. It sold an amazing two million copies in the first two days of sale, and it keeps on climbing. But there's much more for Harry Potter fans with the release of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, the illustrated edition on October 4th, and the release of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the movie, on November 18th. So there's never been a better time, a better season to read or reread everything in the world of Harry Potter than this fall. For older fantasy fans, people are really, really eager for the release of the Tim Burton film, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, on September 13th. The novel, of course, has been a bestseller for years, but this film will help it reach even more YA readers. Finally, in the world of magical fantasy this fall, one of the big, big, big fall 2016 bestsellers will certainly be Magnus Chase and the Gods of Asgard, The Hammer of Thor by Rick Riordan. Nobody but nobody writes better action fantasy for middle-grade readers than Riordan, and this new book is very, very, very eagerly awaited. Beyond fantasy, we're seeing many strong funny books for fall, and that's very good news for all those kids who love to laugh. Of course, one of the very big new releases this fall is Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Double Down, the 11th book in the best-selling series by Jeff Kinney. It will be published November 1st. Another big name in funny books is Dave Pilkey, and he'll have a new title for fall, Dog Man, the latest comic by those funny kids, George and Harold. They are, of course, the stars of Pilkey's best love series, Captain Underpants. It will be published August 30th. Another great title for fall and the start of a new series is Inspector Flytrap by Tom Engelberger and illustrated by C.C. Bell. It stars a Venus flytrap and a goat as a mystery-solving duo in a heavily illustrated chapter books. For even younger kids, there are some great new books this fall. One of my favorites is Super Happy Party Bears. It is a series for first through third graders by Marcy Colleen. And Meet the Bobs and Tweets by Pepper Springfield is a really, really hilarious new series launch this fall. Finally, you know, since I'm asked so often about books for boys, there are three that stand out as funny early chapter books this fall. Shark School, The Boy Who Cried Shark by Davy Ocean. A Not-So-Impossible Tale, Pugs of the Frozen North by Philip Reeve. And Bad Guys, The Furball Strikes Back by Aaron Blabby. Boys may find them particularly hilarious, but so will everyone. Now, these growing trends of fantasy and humor for fall are great because everyone needs some escape, even kids. But there is another growing trend of books that focus on a real-world concern— 
Kindness and Comfort. One of my favorite new picture books for fall is Groovy Joe by Eric Litwin and illustrated by Tom Lichtenheld, a rollicking book with a message that sharing can be groovy. Two other standouts are How Do Dinosaurs Stay Friends by Jane Yolen and illustrated by Mark Teague. And for growing readers, Elephant and Piggy, the thank you book. Both are about the fun of friends, including friends you make on the pages of a book. A book that I'm very, very excited to have in paperback in clubs this fall is Red, a crayon story by Michael Hall. It is a truly heartwarming story about embracing who you are. So there you have it. There you have it. Magical fantasy, laughs, and stories of kindness and compassion. All good things brought to you by Books This Fall. Now we'll hear from Beth Prince. Beth has been teaching kindergarten for 25 years at Hearst Elementary School in Washington, D.C. She is also a reading club teacher advisor. My students love getting the flyers. My students really enjoy getting the flyers every month and going through the flyers and using a marker or crayon to circle the things that they would like their parents to get for them. It's really a great way to get them engaged in reading because you'll find some children who might be a little hesitant about reading, but they'll see a popular character or a an author's set of books that they recognize from their home and they get really excited about it. And um, it really has boosted their love of reading to be able to choose something each month. In a lot of ways, it levels the playing field. For a teacher to be able to get books at a reasonable rate without the taxes and also to earn points to get free materials for their classroom is something that's invaluable when you're working as a teacher and building your classroom. And for a student, you have price ranges that can accommodate any um, economic situation that the child might be in and therefore allowing everyone to be able to choose something um, every month. So I think it's impactful for both the teacher and the student in that way. And what advice do you have for new teachers? I would recommend going through the book club flyer yourself, choosing some books first, um, seeing how the process works, and then introducing your parents to it through offering them suggestions on what they can buy for their individual student. I know that I send letters home with my um, flyers with the students with their choices, and I also highlight things within the catalog that month that is um, either on their student's reading level or in their student's line of interest of things that I've noticed in the classroom. Thanks again to Judy Newman and her Reading Club team for joining us today. And thank you for joining us and for sharing in our mission at Scholastic, where we believe that the right book in a child's hands can open a world of possible. Special thanks to producer Megan Kaysafer, sound mixer and editor Daniel Jordan, and music composer Lucas Elliott Everall. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.